How many of you ladies out there have uh, what you call fine china? May I see your hand? It's fine china. You have like really uh, plates, you know, table settings. Um, the bowls for the salad match the plates. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They all match. The silverware is uh, special, you know, forks here. I mean, I always thought, how many forks do you need? And, uh, you know, usually two here, and then occasionally in front of the plate, you'll have a fork or a spoon, according to what really the dessert is, and then spoons here. And, and there are those times that we have had guests in our home, and, and Sharon would go to the... Uh, to what do you call that thing where they all china cabinet thank you ronnie uh china cabinet and she'll take all that out uh, and put it on the table and set it out and she always sets it out a day or two before whoever it is is going to come there now listen i'm confessing to you i hate those times you know what I mean? I, I hate those times because, um, you know, I'm thinking, why can't we just throw out, you know, if they're supposed to be your friends, throw out the paper plate. I mean, you can get the big old oblong kind and then throw it out there and say, now, let's eat, you know. Most of my eating is done not even on a paper plate. It's done in a hamburger wrapper, you know. But you know that when she takes that, or you take that out, somebody special is coming over. And uh, you want to look your best, and the napkins, and the cloth napkins, of course. You don't want to get the white ones that are starched, because that lint gets on your clothing. But you get the ones that's got a little silk in it, and whatever else, and set it out. Where when you wipe your face with the silk ones, I mean, it just goes right across your mouth. And you, don't, you don't wipe anything, it just slides across. It's so slick. Because you know, someone special is coming. And then there are those times that we do have somebody over and it's going to be, you know, hamburgers. And that's somebody we're related to. And I tell Sharon, who gives two liver lips what they like? You know, here's what we got. Let's put it out there. We don't really need those finer you know, napkins that you could buy. Get the paper towels, fold them up. They look just as good. You think I'm kidding, don't you? And why would we do the finer things? It's because someone that we respect and we want to honor and... We want to show them the very best that we have. Not that we are any of you when you do that. Saying I'm special, but you just do it because you, you want it to be good for those guests that you have. I was really thinking about our approach to God. I was thinking about when I read in the scripture, God, I want, I want to be careful in our life, in our life, my life, your life, 
that whatever it is that we do, we throw our best stuff out there. We throw our best praise out there. We throw our best attitude out there. We throw our best spirit because we want to honor you. And I begin to think because many are guilty, as I am, of often throwing God a paper plate or a napkin or a plastic spoon. You can't get straws much anymore unless you ask for them. We throw that out and say, there you go, God. As I look in the Hebrews, the Hebrews, writing of Hebrews, I see the heroes of faith, and it's quite a roster. Each of them have their own testimony, and they're all exhibited by their faith. They are known as the best of the best. You see, there is a link that connects each and every one of them, and it is their manifested faith. Their faith, as we're told in the Scripture, for them was believing, yet not seeing. They were sold out on the fact, I don't have to see it to believe it. I just believe that if he said it, then I want you to know I take that hook, line, and sinker. Hebrews eleven thirteen said, and all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. They so believed in God that even though threatened with being sawn in two, they so believed in God that even though being uh, hung or crucified upside down or hung or thrown into boiling oil, that God did not deserve any less than their best as it relates to their faith. Their commitment and their service, their life meant nothing to them. Their reputation, as far as culture is concerned, did not matter. The only thing that mattered to them was, well done. You have been faithful. And if you read through that 11th chapter, you see that. And then you go into the 12th chapter, and he says, boy, if we're surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, and we see the sacrifice that Christ made for us, we ought to do the same. In other words, he said, these individuals in Hebrews, they set the table for an honored guest every time. They put their best forward for God. They did not run, they did not retract, they did not disappear. They chose not to get weary in well-doing. They chose not to complain, not to murmur. They chose not to retreat when the heat came. They chose to stand there and declare their faith and put the best place setting on the table because it was about their love and relationship with Almighty God. They never threw Jesus. This is a simple analogy, a paper plate, and said, here, this is all I've got today. They never threw him a plastic fork or spoon and say, this is the best I got today. Every single time, every step they took, they knew it took them one step closer to the day of reckoning. The day in which they knew their lives 
would come to an end in their relationship. They were not perfect. You might think, well, in order to put that best place setting, that best faith faith out there every time, you'd have to be perfect. They were not perfect. But they did deny the power of Satan in their disciplines, and they offered their life as a sacrifice. In other words, what will this cost me? They never asked that question. They never said, okay, how much am I going to have to give in order to still be in the inner loop of being one of the heroes in Hebrews 11. They faced violent opposition with confidence. Well, this might be my last day on earth, but if it's my last day on earth, it'll be my first day in the presence of Almighty God. So you can throw me into the lion's den. You can saw me in half. You can spear me through. You can tie me to the stakes. You can bathe me in tar and set me on fire. I will not retreat. I will face that opposition with the confidence that I know the God that I have not seen will, in fact, fulfill his promise of being with me. And when my last breath is taken... He will take me by the hand. They did not retreat from their convictions. They surely didn't do that. And as a result, our text offers us the testimony of faith-filled lives. And there is one I'm going to drill down on a little bit more. And we're admonished, of course, that they served as excellent examples for us and that we understand that we're to throw aside the bondage of sin that got in their way And that we should run with perseverance our own race, our own individual race, it doesn't matter. And we are to fix our eyes on Jesus who is our Redeemer. We never focus our eyes on the person you think might be the problem. Your eyes are on Christ and you always blame the adversary of your soul. And it is the devil and that is not a human being. The testimony that I want to share with you tonight is able before we go to prayer. Abel offered a better sacrifice to God. You might say, what could be better? What was the better sacrifice? I'm going to use my little old simple analogy again, what you're going to find out. When it came came Abel's time to shine, he pulled his best plateware out and put it on the table before God. Everything was perfect. Oh, and let me tell you something. It wasn't called that he had been to the school of etiquette because his mom and dad blew it big time. I mean, big time against God Jehovah. How did he give and know to do what he did and offering that best offering? He had a good, right attitude. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. That means a right-living man when God spoke well of his offering. And you'll find that it did not end right there. The story of Abel and his sacrifice is important to look at because it is the first sacrifice offered in the Scripture. The first sacrifice offered in the Scripture with Abel. And it was extremely interesting for what that sacrifice was. Having that right attitude manifested something in his life 
that had to be planted there by God. I mean, you look at his father, his father, Adam, of course. Boy, Dad, you gave me a great example. You failed. Boy, Mom, Eve, you gave, you gave me a great example. You failed. You teamed up with Dad. And the reason that I'm having to get up and clock in and go to work every day is because of you guys. You sinned against God. His older brother Cain, whose name meant possession, which meant pride. Why was he full of pride? Because he was the firstborn son, and he didn't have to do anything in order to retrieve the family luxury of inheritance. Nothing. I just was born first, and it's mine. That's old brother Cain. Abel, of course, names meant vanity. It meant vanity. The cloud of Abraham and Eve's, or Adam and Eve's failure rested heavily on both of them. And no doubt, many times, Adam, as the high priest of the family, had tried to offer to God a peace or what is called an offering of forgiveness. In Genesis 4, we find now the first offering offered to God by the brothers, and it is extremely important to look at what happened. Oh, we can read past it. We can talk about it. Oh, yeah, Cain and Abel. But what took place, my friend, is something that still serves as an important teaching notice to each and every one of us here tonight. The Heavenly Father's heart was broken because sin separated Adam and Eve. How would their children respond? And Abel's offering was accepted because it was offered in the right attitude. What does that mean? Abel saw it as an act of worship and atonement. Okay, boys, it's time to offer. Now, when you offer a sacrifice, it means you take a possession that you have and you give it up. It means that you get to choose what what valuable tool that you have or less valuable asset that you have, and you give it to God. This is all new. Cain, of course, saw it as a required obligation. It's how much do I need to do in order to maintain the favor? How much do I need to do to stay in the circle? How much do I need to do to get the accolade? How much do I need to do to be able to fulfill what I think is a requirement and a complete waste of time? In other words, do you say, I love you, or forgive me from the heart of your emotion? And you mean it, or do you say, I am sorry, please forgive me, out of something that you feel it's required to do, or it just salves and lets you get on your way in life? They needed atonement which means that you take two and become one. And that's what God was after. He said, Adam and Eve broke the relationship, but now I have two beings, two sons. I have Cain and I have Abel. What will be their relationship with me? What will their sacrifice be? Boys, it's time to sacrifice. They wanted, God wanted the sacrifice of the atonement. He said, what I want is you boys to become one with me. Your mom and dad blew it, but I want you boys to become 
one with me. I created you to have relationship. Not only that, it meant reconciliation of joining the ranks of favor. And it also meant taking an offering or a scapegoat and placing blame on it. And Abel spent time determining and discerning what his offering would be. Cain simply took whatever he had that was easy to get and submitted it as his offering. I've come up with an offering. Here it is. This meets the qualification or the requirement of an offering. The attitude that we have in life as it relates to our sacrifice to God, as it relates our attitude of worship. We have a misunderstanding that worship is hallelujah, hallelujah. That worship is coming and listening to Joy FM or worship is coming in the sanctuary that Worship is turning on Christian music and listening to an artist. Worship is bigger than that. Worship is this. Worship is the display of your life in action toward God. It is called the sacrifice of praise with my life. God, how much am I willing to give of myself in my worship? How much, God, am I willing to give in Christian fellowship? God, how do I worship in Christian fellowship that it's not about me, but it's about touching and reaching out to others and sharing myself with my brothers and sisters in Christ? It's about service for the Lord. It is actually something that is important. I tell our staff, you get paid to put in at least 40 hours a week. That's what you get paid to do. But don't ever think because you work here at the church and you get paid for 40 hours a week that when it comes to an opportunity to volunteer that you feel like you don't volunteer. And I always say the people who pay their tithe and sit in the pews work somewhere for 40 hours a week and then they volunteer at the church. How dare we as a staff not volunteer as well? The value of that, understanding the service for Almighty God, by His offering to God, given with an attitude of love and not obligation, here's what God said about Him. You're a righteous man. In other words, you did the right thing, right living. And when I, I look at that, I look at that and I think what that means is at a critical time in his life, he understood the value of the sacrifice that he was giving. Number two, he had the right purpose. In other words, what was the motive of doing what he did? Hebrews 11, 4a, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice, a better sacrifice than Cain. How? A scapegoat, of course, in the Old Testament was often brought to the high priest, and the high priest would, in fact, lay hands on the scapegoat and send that scapegoat out into the wilderness and felt like that's the best we can do. 
We send a blemished goat. The priest touches the goat. I did my priestly activity. Now let's send the scapegoat out, a blemished goat, out into the wilderness. Abel knew that. Abel said, I'm not going to bring anything less than my finest china and put it on the table for God. I'm going to take my best animal with no imperfections, the one that would be the prized animal, and that's what I'm going to sacrifice. He had a deep, deep, deep discernment in what that sacrifice meant. We sacrifice every single day. You get up and go to work, and you sacrifice to go to work to get a paycheck, to be able to buy a house and all the things that you do. But it is a sacrifice to do that as you get payback. It's a sacrifice to have children. Somebody say amen. It's a sacrifice to have grandchildren. I can tell you, when Christmas comes around and you've got grandkids, if you only had two kids and you wind up with eight or nine grandkids, guess what? If you think you're going to get a discount at Christmas, I'm here to tell you it only multiplies by several times. Why? The beauty of it is we love them, but the sacrifice of your time and energy to say, and it's well worth it. But it is a sacrifice in everything that we do. And it was symbolic in Abel as Jesus, the Lamb of God, as we look back. Now, that best sacrifice was symbolic of Jesus himself, submitted by God the Father to you and I to die on the cross was the supreme best of the best sacrifice. It also was symbolic of the blood offering for atonement. It meant if you're going to do it right with the right attitude, with the right purpose, it has the ability of joining you in relationship with God. You sat down to the table well spread with the finest of finest. And then you sit and you talk. And after you talk a little while, it's time for coffee or tea or whatever. And after you do that, somebody has decided, the host, to make a fabulous dessert. And the dessert comes along. It could be a hot brownie with ice cream or strawberry shortcake. It could be a pound cake. It could be a lemon supreme cake. It could be a double chocolate cake. It could be, a, it could be anything. I was offered one time pumpkin pie and lifted the pumpkin off the crust. And there were ants all under that. I shall never forget that. But what if you do if you're the preacher? They made it. I'll tell you what I did. I cut my piece off and put that pie, ants and all, in my mouth. Saying, God, you promised me you won't eat anything that will harm you, so I'm counting on that. I itch for days. <laughs> it's the sacrifice. Abel's offering, Abel's offering, get this, was a sacrifice of his own life. He had nothing better to give when it was only true acceptable offering. And it begs the question, Cain's offering was given out of a heart of requirement, success, not sacrifice, investment, not a total sellout. In 
And I ask myself the question, do I give God the best sacrifice that I have every day in the disciplines of my life? My best offering and my sacrifice to the church. Do I say, God, here is my best. No paper plates today. That's why you're here tonight. Because on Wednesday night, you chose to say, no paper plates. Here's the best that we have, God, is to be in the house of God when the doors are open. And most all of you that are here are here very consistently. Well, what did Jesus say about this offering? Matthew 16, 24 it says, when Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, you're going to come after me, you're going to deny yourself and take your cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me, you're going to find it. Jesus said, there it is. Every day you sacrifice losing your life. It's not what you want to do. I had a talk recently with a young person. That young person a little bit of trouble and one thing and another and just a great, great, great individual. Unbelievable. I said to that individual, I don't need to enumerate all the things you did wrong. I don't need to enumerate all the things that you know you did wrong. I don't need to haul in a bunch of witnesses who will witness. You're not on trial here. But I said, here's what I want you to know. You're at that stage of life in a crossroads. May not seem important to you right now. But the future that God has for you is already well laid out. And you're going to get to choose. As a young individual, you're going to get to choose if you're going to follow suit. If you're going to follow God, you're going to give God your best or whether or not you're going to dabble around and play games. And I said, if you dabble around and play games, the road is always wide, but eventually it gets real narrow. And before you know it, you have passed the place of no return and you wind up in the pit. Here's what I know. God's keeping a record of everyday activity for all of us and keeps a record of our sacrifice and what our heart is and what our purpose is. The offering of the perfect lamb by Abel was given by faith. Get this, even before the laws of worship were submitted by Moses. Even before Moses said, here's how you worship, Abel had that figured out. He had the right presence. People give off a presence. Did you know that? I had a lady in the gym when I was working out in the gym or going there, supposedly working out on the treadmill and in the, in the good old days and run it up, you know, run it up to 10 and get it going to about six or seven. Some of you are maniacs. I mean, you, you just run it right on up to 10. But when she walked in, she loved Estee Lauder. She thought, 
if she put Estee Lauder on, she would be a magnet apparently. What she didn't know is those of us who were there would run outside to get air. It was so heavy and so thick. She became known as the perfume lady. She had a presence. I was in Dillard's one day, and I caught the smell. I said, she's here somewhere. <laughs> we were not near the perfume counter. Hello. We were over in the dress section, and I looked around, and sure enough, there she was. I thought, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Listen, you emanate a presence. You emanate a presence. By faith, he, speaking of Abel, still speaks, even though he is dead. Presence. The sacrifice of your presence and say, God, present and accounted for. It is the unseen influence of a personality, attitude, or spirit of an individual. What's my presence toward my sacrifice? What's my presence toward God? If you want more, here I am. I've given you everything. Here's my presence, God, an encourager of others. My presence is to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and give glory and honor to him. Abel was the second child of Adam and Eve. Cain was the firstborn and the favorite son. Cain bought his offering and God rejected it. Cain was angry, hostile, and had no relationship with God in his heart. Abel presented his offering with that right attitude, purpose, and a holy presence. And it was a presence of absolute trust, an act of faith. He was honoring the God that his parents had failed and he knew that God had cast judgment upon his family for their disobedience. You see, even though they were booted out of the garden, God still had his presence. That if you paid attention, that presence would overwhelm you. I promise never to leave you nor forsake you. How you handle circumstances creates a presence. In spite of his mom and dad failing, not knowing how he would be received, he acted out in faith and his presence touched the heart of God. And the text says, by faith, Abel in his offering still speaks, even though he is dead. And I think that's what we all want. We all want our life. We all want those that we're accountable to to say of us. That was a real trooper. We want people to say about us, buddy, they could have balled up and got mad and ran, but they stood true. They had every right to retreat, but they didn't retreat. They pressed in. They had every right to become weary, but they didn't. They had every right to be misunderstood and to feel, in fact, 
the powers of others meaning dislike to them. But oh no, they stayed sweet, that presence. What did they do? It didn't make any difference when you came to their house. They always put the best setting they had and said, here, God. Whether it's coming to church, here's my best setting. Whether it's going and witnessing, here's my best setting. If it's giving to missions, this is the best I've got. God, I won't give you any less ever. I will always give to you my sacrifice of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all that you've done for us. We thank you because we know that you are able to meet every need. And God, I know that tonight that many people are here because they, they, they are in love with you. And God, they came on a Wednesday night. It's a little cool. And it would have been easy for them to throw a paper plate and say, I just don't want to go. But instead, they put the best place setting out and said, no, I'm going into the house of worship. God, I pray now that you'd give favor to some who made that sacrifice tonight. There are some prayers that need to be answered. And God, I'm asking you that some of the prayers that need to be answered for someone in this room right now, that in the next several days within the week, that you'll give them a favorable answer, a remedy, a problem, and answer a prayer that they have been asking you to answer. Because God, they've not been offering you the picnic table. They've been offering to you the most important room where the dining table is. And said, God, you be my guest. Abel did that. His offering was accepted. Cain simply took it for granted. Took God for granted. Took the moment for granted. Did not see the value or the importance. Oh, there will come a day when we stand before you, Jesus. And you'll sit on your throne. And you'll have a good old record and saying, buddy, here is your reward for all your works. You kept it consistent. I want to ask you, everyone in the room, to just repeat this prayer. And those of you online, would you do that with me right now? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus, you for Jesus who, died who died on the cross for my sins. For my sins. I, repent, I repent, and I believe you by faith. If I confess my sins, you will forgive me. Father God, I've not been perfect. I have erred and I've made mistakes. But I'm asking you now, forgive me. Create in me a renewed heart of passion and use me according to your will. I am available in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
what I'd like to do in these next 15 minutes maybe is ask you to come get a card and I think the ushers may have given you a card and if you'd like to add a card to this stack here we know for example Sam Swan Sam Swan has cancer the word is it's incurable he's taking a treatment but his body cannot take the treatment the amount of treatment that they're giving him and so he is in the hospital and friend he needs a miracle Teresa needs a miracle I text her early this morning she texts back I said I'm surprised you up she said these days pastor I don't sleep much I'm up about 3 a.m. And I'm just calling out to God. David Drew, we know Drew, don't we? Had his leg amputated, is in the hospital in the VA. I talked to him today. He said, I need prayer. But he said, if God does what I think he's going to do, I'm going to see you Sunday morning. He said, because I want you to know, I intend to be in church. I could give you a long list of people that really are under the gun. But you, in your sacrifice of praying for them, are about to make a difference in their behalf. You pray as if, hey, I'm putting my best prayer, my best place setting out there, and it is a sacrifice unto God. And you pray until God releases you of that need. So as we worship quietly, you come and get a card, find a place to pray, and then we'll call you back. As you get through, you might bring them back, pick up a few more. But then in about 12 minutes, we'll just kind of close things down. All right, here we go.
nothing words can say I need you more than ever before I need you more I need you more Here I am to worship Here I am to bow Here I am to say you're my God, you're all together Amen. Would you stand, please? Would you let these needs? I ran across one from Victory Christian Academy. Said, pray that my parents win the lottery so we can still come to school. <laughs> we have a little bit of work to do, don't we? Heavenly Father, we're getting closer and closer to the core. You're coming and coming again soon. When we see all the things that are happening in culture, we've said that for years, but God, they're getting, they're getting worse and worse. And you can see the demonic spirit that function in some individuals who have leading authority and you see the lack of care of human life and you see the destruction that's taking place in homes you see the challenges in schools God I'm asking you we do not want to lose this thorn may it be a thorn in our flesh that serves as a reminder that we cannot back up or hesitate that we have to be focused on those things that really matter. And we pray even now for every need, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of needs were lifted up in this sanctuary. God, I pray that you would move and that, Father God, if we don't ever know what you did, we're going to praise you because we know you did it. Because when people pray, you hear and answer prayer. Let it be so. Bless every person here. Give them favor. Let them rest well tonight. Wake up in the morning. God, early at 5 o'clock, ready to go. In Jesus' name, amen.